She's April. And she's Molly. And we are the Book Besties. Nice. It's all coming up who? I'm going to say something blasphemous. She's like, the book says we only do this once. And he's like, once? (laughs) Have you met 13-year-old boys? Look at Drew Barrymore. He's really hot. Ladies, stay away from him. He's mine. And the dog is really concerned with chasing squirrels. You didn't do your hand thing. I didn't do my hand thing. Book besties. <laughs> You're looking pretty great for someone in so much paint, babe. Yeah. Um. Thank you. <laughs> and I, I mean that in all the kindness in the world. You're stro- like you're on the struggle yeah, bus. I have kidney stones again. Well, I mean, Yikes. not totally confirmed um, because I have to get my CT still. Um, which I plan to get over spring But you've break. had kidney stones and you know what they feel like. So I've had them before. I think you're a pretty good judge about it. Yeah. yeah. Not having all the symptoms that I have when I have kidney stones, which is good. But it just the pain is kind of sucky. Relentless. Yeah. But they gave me the good drugs. And uh, I just can't take them when we're doing pod. Because, like, I'll just fall asleep in the middle of us filming. I mean, at least... You know your tolerance is low. I, I'm a cheap. I'm a cheap date. <laughs> I'm an elephant when it comes to pain medication. You have to really hit me hard, or I'm never. It's never taking effect. Well, I mean, you have chronic pain. That's a little bit different than me. That just like well, and I also have pill. also a child of an addict, so my tolerance just keeps going up and up and up mm. and up. No. You know how, like, they talk about how, like, as you get older, you drink wine and you, like, have a lower tolerance for it? Like, I I take Tylenol now and I'm like, yeah, I'm done. (laughs) I drink wine and get a migraine, so. It's the tannins. Damn those tannins. The sulfates. The sulfates, my doctor told me. Sulfates. Right. So, this week, we are talking about one of my all-time favorite books, Good Omens. This, this is a is copy actually, from the library. This is actually my third copy. I had a copy in middle school and high school that got misplaced, which I probably should not have been reading this in middle school. That could explain a lot about my personality. Um, <laughs> well, in the snarkiness, and it, it could explain a lot. My um, middle schoolers are reading worse than this, so... Yeah, and then I had a copy when I first got in the Coast Guard, and mm-hmm. one of my moves... Uh, I had boxes of books go missing, which I had a couple mm. first editions in, which the movers claims that never happened. So that right. was a fun one. Look, um, they, they, this one. the movers ran over our mattress with a forklift and claimed the tire print was there when they picked it up. What? I'm not kidding. <laughs> I was like, yeah, no. So, <laughs> That's not how this works. Besties, if you have ever moved via military. Oh, man. You are really playing the lottery. Mm. Really playing the lottery. Well, I mean, moving companies are, you know, hit or miss anyway. Right, in general. But the military takes the lowest bid. Right, exactly. So. (laughs) And they're moving a crap ton of people. and Yeah, because summer is the season of transition. Yep. Oh, Metaphorically I mean, and literally, people. It's true. It's true. Well, I did not own this book, and I had never read it before. Um, really? I borrowed it. I, never. I borrowed it from the library, and I listened to 
the newly produced full cast audio, which includes David Tennant and Michael Sheen, um, who Which it's star- the full cast from the Amazon show. Well, yes and no, because Judy Dench plays God in the Good Omens Amazon show, like the voice and of God. Neil and- Gaiman does it in the book. Um, n- not in the edition I was. Really? In the audiobook, I think he does. In not the in the audiobook regular. I was listening to. Oh, man, you missed out. It's kind of funny that he does it. Oh, well, that is kind of a bummer. But I liked it because um, this book, and I know we'll probably get into this, but this book at the end, like, there's just, like, a shit ton of characters. And, like, it's hard so to keep many. track. Well, and I mean, so, it's hard to keep track with all the storylines anyway. And yeah. let's, we'll talk about that, actually. Yeah, yeah um, for but sure. I, I actually could not listen to it we got it like we, right the the full cast well we got the full cast like on the the bestie account mm-hmm. and AKA i got molly's account that april frequently uses but we sharing is caring love <laughs> sharing is caring um but i was 10 15 minutes in and my adhd brain could not handle it yeah it, it was too much it was like a ping pong ball in there just so I, I went back to the original cat the original audio version because mm-hmm. I just couldn't. It, I'm sure it's lovely. I love David Tennant. I just I mean, how do you not love David Tennant? <laughs> right. He's amazing. He's still not my favorite doctor, but I, I love David Tennant. Right. Right. So would you like He's my not- favorite he's my favorite doctor apart from Matthew Smith when he's with his family. Yeah. Like Matthew Smith with with the impossible girl. <laughs> crap i'll right. take david Tennant over that but matthew smith with with know, with the with the pawns with the pawns with the pawns i those are i will say they are my two favorites but Tennant has my heart he's the reason i fell in love with doctor who mm-hmm. he's the reason i rewatched it for years i mean he's definitely the one that made me love it the first season i loved the campiness of it the well right. not the not the first season the ninth doctor ninth so the doctor. reboot Um, but uh, David Tennant made me love it. So, right. He is just, and he plays, he plays the different variations, right? Cause Dr. Who goes from being a horror episode to being Mm -hmm. a whole comedy episode to being Mm -hmm. drama. Like there is Mm -hmm. so many genres that each episode could be. Right. And Tennant is so versatile. Yeah. He just, nails it his doctor definitely was better at it all the things matthew smith's doctor was better at like the comedy well, he was well just... have you seen the meme uh yes uh, eggleston, eggleston is a tiger uh-huh. tenant is a house cat yeah and smith is tigger <laughs> i thought you meant the meme that came from uh good omens where the direction for david Tennant was imagine the tardis blew up then, <laughs> I haven't seen that one. Um, the emotion he got was. <laughs> I real. haven't seen that one. All right, all right. So, so how about a synopsis? Yes. Synopsis. Synopsis. Syn- I don't have a British accent to do it. I, look, I don't care how you say it. Other people might judge you for it, but I love the upstate Molly. New York Molly synopsis. Synopsis. <laughs> um. So it's the end of the world as we know it. It is. Crowley and Aziraphale have reluctantly been companions since the beginning of time. And now they are facing the end of times at the hand of an 11-year-old boy named Adam. 
As we make our way towards the apocalypse in this book, we meet a witch, witch finders, and the four horsemen of the apocalypse. The world mm-hmm. is about to end, and it's all going to happen in Tadfield, UK. It will, apparently. Which is a fake town, by the way. I had to Google it. <laughs> well, you left out the fact that all of this was prophesized by... Oh, which that's actually my first... Um, well, so I'm doing something different this week, sorry. besties. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing something different this week, besties. I don't have actual questions. I have talking points. So if this episode flops, it's on me and my trying something new. It could be on me because um, I only felt so-so about this book. So, <laughs> so I, I'm going to say something blasphemous for oh, a reader wait. to say. I preferred the series on Prime. <laughs> I, you can't ring a bell at me. Like, at the opinion. Well, um, fine. So, but okay. I, did. I preferred it. My first talking point. This is a book about heaven and hell and the end of times. And sort of. Right. Well, okay, it's a variation of it, okay? Mm-hmm. And one, the book that is the biggest focal point is not the book you would think it is. Right. It is it's not book, the Bible. <laughs> no, it's not the Bible. It right. is the nice and accurate prophecies of Agnes Nutter. Which, by the way, Mad props to Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman for the names they came up with in this. I love, I love that uh, she's a nutter, which is a British slang for somebody who's crazy. Crazy, right? Yeah. So (laughs) that's funny. What do you think of this? What do you think of this book? Of like, it. Our main characters are Mm -hmm. literally an angel and a demon. Yeah. Are we're following the apocalypse and end of times like it is prophesied in the bible and our main focus ain't the bible it's not that's not even our reference point it is this book written by a witch i would say that was i would say that was a smart choice on their point on their part because like i don't know that very many people would take kindly to them being like we're using the bible literally here i I think Um, it's a good um a bastardization of it the bible right i thought it was smart um I, I it humorous. It was very funny. Um, I don't know that I would agree with you that Azaraphale and Crawley are the two main characters. Um, I think in the Prime series, they are. When you hire David Tennant and Michael Sheen, they're they the are stars. Main characters, right. Like, Michael Sheen plays a bad vampire in Twilight, and somehow he's the star of those movies. <laughs> when he's, like, on for, like, this much. Right! He's um, just- yes that laugh is so freaking creepy oh my gosh okay okay the fact that you knew what i was doing makes it even better that's that's when he heard uh renesmee's heartbeat yeah it was so crazy but anyway um like i don't know that i would say that they're the main characters now i get it like it follows them from the beginning in the garden to the end of the world would you get that part of it but i would actually argue that you have um three pairs of main characters. Uh, maybe you can go with four main pairs of characters, but I would say Azaraphil and Crawley are one main character. Um, well, we have a narrator too, right? So uh, yeah, but I wouldn't, so I wouldn't count that. Call- the, the, the Nutter's granddaughter, whose name escapes me right now. Oh, shoot. I have a list um, here. I'll pull it up. Um, keep going. And the the man that's supposed to be witch hunting her, 
That's oh, our I second. I don't think he's a main character. No, I, 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 I'm saying these are pairs. So the, oh, okay. those two, Aziraphale and, Crawl, and Crawley, mm-hmm. and then um, the... Adam and the Them, maybe? I That would... I They are, but only at the end. So then I would say the other, the third pair, the third pair is the old witch hunter guy and the woman that anathema lives across the device. Yeah. Anathema device. Anathema device. And uh, the the third pair, I would say, is the old guy who lives across the hall from the woman that he keeps calling a whore. <laughs> um, so new, we're talking about new Pulsifer. Yes. Is New Pulsifer and Anathema Device are the second pair, I would say. Mr. Shadwell. Mr. Shadwell. Madam Tracy. And Madam Tracy are our third. Okay, so Adam and the Them, I guess you could call them like a third, like a fourth, excuse me, a fourth main character mm-hmm. group. But I actually think that even though Adam is meant to be the son of Satan. Right. That he's more of a minor character. Like right. I think the story is about... Those three pairs. Right. And how they are dealing with the end of the world. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. But again, when you hire David Tennant and Michael Sheen, right. they're the stars. But, okay, so being that we have a narrator, uh-huh. do you think Aziraphale and Crowley, it is your garage, do you think Aziraphale and Crowley are also narrators in a way no. they're narrating for their side no and i think um so like the the amazon prime series makes the narrator be the voice of god right um and i don't know that that's really what the book is doing i don't think that's what they intended i don't i don't think so either but um the because i read the full cast while i was listening to it i expected david Tennant and michael sheen to be in it more Right, but and they, they weren't the book. They stuck to the book, correct? They, but see, I hadn't read the book, so for me, they are equally as important as those other pairs I right. mentioned. And I don't think that they are narrating as advocates for one side or the other. I think they are advocates for one side or the other. But I think right. what is interesting about this book is they make a very human observation about non-human beings right they make an observation that there is good and bad in everyone so Azarafil makes some decisions that are kind of well and really crappy and there and adam is a symbolism right right adam is symbolism for mankind adam is symbolism for man's choice like crowley makes a statement um and i don't i didn't tag it i forgot to tag it he talks about when um they're talking about all this evil, right? Mm-hmm. They're they're comparing the evil things they've done. He's with the other mm-hmm. demons, and they're talking about all these evil things they've done. And he's thinking to himself, and he goes, do you guys not realize humans do way worse evil on their own when we're not involved? Yes. Yes. And, right. like, he's like, we... Crowley says of- that, right? Yes, Crowley. And he's, like, mm-hmm. he's thinking right. about the... And it's, it's, it's true, like... Right. Right? But it's just... Um, well, and I think... Um, when you get the four horsemen of the apocalypse, like those yeah. four are really good at shining a light on those negative a- the, aspects the natural, of humanity. The natural evil. Those of are humans. natural things that we're doing. Yeah. Um, they're just, they're just symbols of that. Correct. 
Um, so, um, yeah. What do you think of the world building that David Tennant and Terry Pratchett, not David Tennant, David's on the mind now. Uh, Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett have done in this book. So I know you're a fan of Neil Gaiman. This is the third book that I've read of his. The first book was Coraline and I didn't really like it, but I really liked the graveyard book. Um, He's so good at world building. Like, but, I, I've never read anything by Terry Pratchett other than this. But together, um, they've really created a world that, like, I feel is believable. And they've hit, gone and done historical things. Like, right. they built worlds that, like, existed at the beginning of time, right? So, like, right. biblically, what I believe happened in the garden, they've recreated that in a way that is funny and feels authentic with what right. is also like, but it's also of- not, and it's also not an insult to religion. Correct. Correct. This book has, while it is a comment on religion and mm-hmm. different variations of religion, right. it is not poking fun at it. It's not attacking it. It is just saying, Hey, look, right. this is what we're talking about. This is a point of view we have on it. Mm-hmm. This is, you believe what you believe. I believe well, what I believe. And let's move forward, man. There's nothing in this book that I found offensive as no. a Christian, as somebody that believes that. But you know, the in the 90s, end. this was heavily protested. Oh, I'm sure it's a banned book. I'll, I'll have sure. to, I'll you have can't to. talk about God and it not be banned. Yeah. Like the Bible is a banned book. <laughs> so, right. That's so um, weird, by the way. It's controversial. And there's sex in the Bible. So that is true. Um, so. I've said this before about his writing. Neil Gaiman is a TV writer as a novelist. Yes. And that is why I feel like the, the series, the prime series worked so well. But he, he also was on board. That. He was on board and he was helping write it. Right. And I think he was directing some of the episodes too, which I'll link the IMDb I don't know page. if he did direct, but I know he wrote. I'll, um, I'll put it in the IMD page. But he did write episodes of Doctor Who. And he's directed some of them. Yeah. I'm excited when we read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy at the end of this month because um, the author, Douglas Adams, also wrote some Doctor Who episodes. Nice. So. It's all coming up who? Um, Everything does. Everything comes down to who. Which I know it's not. <laughs> the right. No, I love it. I love it. It's going to be for our, our, our season two wrap up. We sing a lot. Um <laughs> How do you feel about, so, um, there's a lot of side stories in this. Yes. So So many many side stories. So many. Um, my favorite of the side stories are are when Adam, this 11 year old goes, I think, and then it rolls into changing the world. As soon as Adam thinks, Mm -hmm. like when he mentions, he goes, I think that there shouldn't be any more whales and then they can't hunt them anymore. And then there's just no more whales. (laughs) Whales just disappear. He makes the lost city of Atlantis reappear. Right. And I mean, have you ever sat down? I mean, you've sat down with kids. They talk like that all the time. Right. Imagine half the shit they saying just Mm -hmm. forecoming and like, that is a dangerous power to give a child. I like when he falls asleep and all of a sudden there's like a nuke that gets stolen because he was dreaming about it. My favorite side story. They're like, we don't know where it went. It just disappeared. I don't know what happened to it. My favorite side story was not one that was related to him. Oh, really? A, I'd love it, to hear. It was a really small one that's totally graphic and morbid. It's the telephone worker, like the telephone operator. Yes. Who, the what, what do you call it? Um, 
telemarketers that they come through the phone right kill her and like everybody but then of course because this ends on a happy note then they're just like magically fine (laughs) what 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 there was a scene at i i'm jumping ahead there's a scene at the air force base when the world's like Uh shutting down because we're talking about adam and his powers right and it's uh Aziraphale is stuck in the madam's <laughs> yeah. body, and he's like, "You shouldn't, you shouldn't be two people in one body. That's not right." And then, yeah. like, Aziraphale's back to being a, a magically <laughs> like that. We can't have that anymore. I don't, I, I, it's too confusing. And I, like, and, then and I, like, he just magically is back to being a, a, right. a, 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 a angel out of nowhere. <laughs> and I like that Aziraphale like poofed that like, uh, like, um army like private he just like poofed him back to his bed in his house and he's yeah. like what am i doing in my bed in my house <laughs> he's definitely a wall and he's gonna be in a lot of trouble by the way that's the only thing i could think of what, what is <laughs> that is the military member in you <laughs> like for right me, i was just like so much trouble <laughs> how did he go from his duty station in england to his home in kansas but there is so much commentary in these side stories that is about humanity. Cause you've got like that, you've got that, like uh, that corporate retreat that when they realize they have real bullets, they just like start murdering each other. Right. Like, like um, just, I mean, it's human I'm, nature to just embrace what's going on. I'm sorry to relate this to like religion, but I'm going right. to for a second That's because fine. I'm teaching a Sunday school class because it's Lent season when we're filming this. Um, but I think this episode actually comes out after Easter or mm-hmm. right before Easter. But anyway, I, it's Lent season while we're filming this. Um, and we were talking about like the mob mentality. So that's uh, the week before Easter. Okay. Um, so like we were talking about the mob Happy mentality. Happy Easter. We're talking about God. <laughs> talking about the mob mentality of the people who are watching Jesus, Jesus be crucified. Right. Uh-huh. And like, I feel like that, happens in this book too like right with the you know well now we have bullets so we're just going to start murdering each other because kill or be killed kind of situation but it's such a crowley thing to give them the ability to kill each other but they're not really real bullets and nobody's really really dying well he was gonna fix it right he was like right. that's fine they won't really die like and they're real bullets brain. they're real right. bullets but they don't kill each other <laughs> it is such a he, that's a sign of Crowley's humanity in this mm-hmm. book, right? Well, the longer and, he's been on Earth, the more yes. human and more he's cared for the humans. Right. Like Resident Alien. I know you're a fan of that like I am. I that and that, that show, this season is dealing with that. Like he's been on Earth so, for so long that he has humanity in him right, now. Well, right. Um, but I think the opposite can be said of Aziraphale. Like he has some things, he makes some poor decisions because he's influenced by humanity as well and humans are imperfect right the reason he his body was evaporated the first time was because Mm -hmm. he found agnes nutter's book Mm -hmm. and he took the time to read it and Mm -hmm. then the witch finder found him and burnt his shit down Mm -hmm. so i mean he was doing a very human thing he was (laughs) one finger mr shadwell can send you to the pits of hell with (laughs) one finger (laughs) um the person that does the original audiobook not the cast uh-huh. one does all the voices and the mr shadwell voice is very much like this and he's very <laughs> i i like the person that does the mr shadwell voice in the full cast too because the way that 
his voice is described is like nondescript several different like uk dialects like he uses mm-hmm. a mixture of like you basically are like where the fuck is this guy from and he's, he does a really good job your examiner he's like from everywhere <laughs> he, does a, he does a really good job of like sometimes he sounds scottish and sometimes he's irish right? and sometimes he's like got a cockney accent and you're like seriously the fuck dude like what's going on well and like and if you're from the south you're soft right isn't yeah. that the thing of his like there's mm-hmm. the southern nancy boys isn't that what he could say <laughs> What makes them a Nancy boy because they're from the South? I don't I just, like. I just want to know what made, what's the other guy's name? The one that he re, it the, helps him. Um, Newt Pulsifer? Yeah. What made Newt Pulsifer go, you know what? This seems like a good ad. I should sign up. For He's got to be bored, right? Well, I mean, we know it's all the prophecy, right? So, like, right. he becomes a witch hunter because that's what, well, and you he know, Agnes Nutter. prophesize but like it's just funny to me that you would be like reading a magazine and you'd be like yeah it's the 2000s i definitely need i guess it's written the 90s but it's the 90s i definitely think witches are a problem in the 1990s (laughs) i should sign up to stop them uh, crowley traps his hellmates in a a tape recording <laughs> uh, phone uh, message machine. Right, Like, right. it was cassette tape. An answering machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. He trapped him in a cassette tape. Right. <laughs> Which, sure did. I, I didn't write this down, but I, th- I want to talk about it. Why do you think his car keeps turning the music to Freddie Mercury? Um, I don't know, but... I do like the line where he talks about how heaven may have the best movie stars, but hell has the best musicians. musicians. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's clever. (laughs) But everything in his car turns, I'm going to have to look that up and see what the symbolism there, because obviously I wonder if one of these two, I wonder if these, one of these two are fan of queen and they're just like, fuck queen. That shit's hell. (laughs) Everything is Everyone's a fan of Queen. Well, Except and if for one of these the, fuckers. <laughs> if this is the 90s when this was written, it wasn't too long after Freddie Mercury died. It could be an homage to him, maybe. Yeah. I mean, he he's, you know, a UK icon, so. Right. Um, I don't so, really know, but I just thought that was a funny line. <laughs> what did you think of this all ending technically on American soil? Being that it was an American Air Force base. Do you think it's a conversation about um, American imperialism? Um, I think they were trying to say a lot about Americans in this book because the real Adam, the baby that Adam was actually supposed to be swapped with, was was supposed to be an American citizen. Yes. So I feel like there's a lot of commentary against Americans here, which is fine. But I, I don't know that I would call it imperialism, because if anyone in the UK wants to come and challenge us to say who has a bigger problem with imperialism, I just want you to go look at your own museum um, and look at all the stuff you stole and called your own. <laughs> let's talk about what's going on in the news right now. Like the the having the Queen's 70th Jubilee, right? Mm-hmm. And Kate and... Which prince is she with? William? Mm -hmm. Are out traveling the Caribbean. And the Caribbean people are protesting. Their Mm -hmm. president in one of the islands demanded, pretty much demanded, to be released in the meeting with William. Like, they're still like... Well, I can tell you that in the UK... Angry about it. 
Well, I mean, of course. I can tell you that in the UK, um, there are a lot of British citizens Mm -hmm. who say, let the queen rule to her death, but let her be the last. And And they don't really want, they don't really want the monarchy to continue there. And right now the monarchy in England is more symbolic. It's about tradition unless, in my opinion, there are other British citizens that may disagree with that. I'm not a British citizen, but um, they, it's more about symbolism there. It's more about the, uh, the history because really parliament is making the decisions. Right. And it's still, ha- they still have a house of Lords, but it's different than what it used to be. And um, I don't know. I, I, I personally don't have an opinion because it's not my no, it's not politics. Our government. Right. right. But I think the queen has ruled, you know, a long time and she's not done a terrible job. She ruled some through some shit. Right, shit, and, and and I mean, she was handed something that was very fragile, right? Something that was very near breaking, and she she took over right before World War II started, and she taped and glued that shit together as best she could in a hard she sure time. Did. She sure did, and, and being and a woman, was, period, in those times was right. already and she hard wasn't enough. supposed to be queen because no. her father wasn't supposed to be the king. He was the spare, right? Um, and, but I will say. I love this watching the crown, by the way. I'm not oh. great at history all the time. <laughs> she She's done a good job of being more progressive as a queen in the more recent times. And we may have talked about this when we talked about red, white, and royal blue, about what would happen, you know, if someone was mm-hmm. gay in the royal family. But um, before Will and Kate had their baby, she changed the ruling. She changed the, the law that said mm-hmm. the next in line had to be a male. Like, that it that if the firstborn was a woman, the firstborn would not, the firstborn woman cannot, could not be the queen. You would go to the next one that would be the first son. That's a little um, sexist. And she changed that before Will and Kate knew that they were having a boy. So if they would have had a daughter, that daughter would have been queen. Snubbed. Yeah. Yeah. Which is pretty, that's pretty progressive for right. the queen. Wait, I'm misunderstanding. You're saying it doesn't have to be male. It doesn't have to be male anymore. Oh, okay. She, that was the rule that if your firstborn was a girl, but your secondborn was a son, the son was the heir. I'm comprehending now. I was mixing it up. And the reason she's queen is she has one sister. Well, had one sister. One sister. Right. We are way off the rails. Okay. So um, let's talk. That's enough British history with April. You're welcome. So let's talk about all the character work they did here. Yes. Because. I mean, you've seen the list of characters. You listen There's to the a book. lot of characters. There's, I mean, we even got sub characters, right? There's like, like random like vignettes of like we're gonna read right, about this character Ted for like three sentences, right? Um, like Big Ted. Big Ted is one of the bikers, mm-hmm. um, and he decides to go by, you know, and he becomes one of the extra horsemen. We got Scuzz, <laughs> and uh, there's a nanny, and there's so many different. Uh-huh. Minor, like, there's one biker who keeps changing what he is. That's what I was laughing about. He keeps changing. <laughs> Let me see if I can find it. He keeps changing the thing that he is because he wants to, like, they decide that their name, they're the, the one of the Something. horsemen yeah. of whatever is basically a grievance of theirs, whatever is annoying to them. And so he keeps, he keeps changing what it is. Like at one point it's like diet beer or like light beer or something. Or or non-alcoholic beer. Non-alcoholic beer. 
Not Alex Yeah. Oh my gosh. And like hearing the narrator read that part just had me laughing in the car. I was and laughing like, so hard so because he's like, formally, formally, formally. Like, it's very funny. Um, uh, don't I, you see why I can't be non-bloody alcohol logger? Shut your face. Death and famine and war continue biking to Tadfield. Grievous bodily harm, cruelty to animals, things not working properly, even though you've given them a good thumping, but secretly secretly not alcoholic lager. But secretly not alcoholic lager. And really cool people. Really cool people. Really cool people. And and the one that's secretly non alcoholic lager changes his name again, too. Like a page later. Yes. Um, I think. I think that's the humor and I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall as they were writing this because I sometimes think like, I kind of feel like it was like when we do our pod together, it's things we find funny and we just hope other people do too. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I mean, and I have a whole runner in the notes about, uh, I mean, they wrote with a partner and did you mm-hmm. get a chance to read the article? I did. I read the article. What did you um, think? Well, I mean, I definitely feel bad for Neil Gaiman that he lost his friend and writing partner. And like he talks about when he wanted to write, when he would write other things, like he wants to still call Terry Pratchett and read it to him. And like, right. um, So I definitely feel bad. But um, I think it really takes a special team to be able to write well together. And I've read a lot of books that have uh, dual authors. Um, um, and this one's coming up actually. Royal We was written with two partners. It was. I think they did a good job blending their writing. It styles. sounds like one person wrote, wrote that, and book. that's how I feel about this one. Like yeah. I wouldn't have known two people wrote this nope. if I didn't know two people wrote this. It, um, it's very, it's very, it's very well written together. It is. I didn't love the story. I thought there were too many characters to keep track of, and oh, I agreed. mean, I mean. I was listening to the audiobook, which everyone had voices, but like it was still too many to keep track of. It was a lot of characters. And mm-hmm. um well every character has their own voice. Mm-hmm. And I think there is a fault with authors when they do this that not every character has their own voice and right. you lose something in the book and you start falling through the book and you're not getting the you're not getting the gist anymore well While i struggled to follow all the characters i still knew they were separate characters and i think right. that was important in here i never had a point that i was like wait who is that again um and like another book that has a lot of characters like the selection series sometimes yeah. i forgot which girl was which girl yes and yes. i didn't have that problem here i was like oh very clearly this is this person like, yes and and uh, yeah I, I didn't lose that. And I don't think it was because I was listening to a full cast. I honestly think it was just because they have a very clear, like, voice, you know. Now, I've never read it. Read. Read it. I have never read anything by Terry Pratchett. But I can, I feel like this is really strongly Neil Gaiman's writing style. Like, well, I feel I mean, like this leans think- more on his side than Terry's. I think think? we can't make that decision because we've never read Terry Pratchett. Let's see what he's written. Because I don't remember any of his books, honestly. But they've written a lot together. Like, that's, like, I don't know what Terry Pratchett was writing himself, but, um, uh, let's see. Terry I'm pulling him up right now. Um, A Hat Full of Skies. 
Well, it just looking at these pictures, a lot of covers, the color of magic, Mort, guards, guards. This seems like it's probably humor too. Dragons at Crumble Castle, Dodger. These look like children's books, honestly. I don't think he writes children's books, though. The artwork would make me think differently. (laughs) Well, I don't. Some of these are older, like the Lost Cosmos. I think he does both, like Neil does. It looks like he does both. Because there's plays on here, but you can see how their styles would definitely merge together based off the artwork I'm seeing on these books. Well, one of the things I thought was interesting from the article you sent, and please link that for our listeners. I will will put it it in the notes. Um, One of the things I thought was interesting was he was talking about how, um, oh, I blinked. Oh, when he went off on his own and started writing books by himself Mm -hmm. and not working with Terry, that even though they weren't working as partners, he would still call Terry and ask him when when he was stuck. Right. So, like, even when Neil was writing by himself, he needed Terry. Right. I mean, I wonder if it was vice versa as well. I don't know. Um, But, you know, they never got around to writing the sequel to Good Omens that they had planned. Which they did leave this open-ended for a sequel. Right. And I thought the series, the Prime series, when it ended, I was like, well, that's definitely going to get a second season. And it Um, did. And it did. And I think one of your questions or one of your bullet points, and I'm jumping ahead, I'm sorry, but you wanted to know how I felt about there being a second season. Did it need it? And I think it did. Like, Netflix making a second season of uh, 13 Reasons Why was stupid. Agreed. It, it was dumb. This getting a second season, I feel like it left it open enough that now we could see what happens after. And because something very interesting happens at the end of the book, which is that um, Nutter comes back. Right. The second. <laughs> so well, she's back. Okay. I want to talk about, let's talk about that scene for a second. So, so, um, our poorly handling electronics newts, who is a witch find a terrible witch finder, falls well, in love with he's, a witch. He's really good at falling in love with witches, though. <laughs> yes, um, and he's terrible with electronics. Just not good just at hunting. Abysmal. Um, he uh, he answers the door at the cottage, mm-hmm. and a lawyer's there with a mm-hmm. box, a wedding mm-hmm. gift for the two of them. Mm-hmm. And he's like, we're not married. This is kind of weird. I don't know what you're talking about. And the lawyer's like, hey, look, there was bets on what's inside this box. I'm just here to fill it. Because they've had it for like 200 years. Yes. And so, and then he proceeds, the lawyer proceeds to tell him about the two people that did try opening it. Mm-hmm. And they got letters. And he was like, mm-hmm. and then, so Newt goes, you're so interested. You go ahead and open it. Because Newt was a was a whiny butt. And didn't <laughs> so... He let him open it. And then there was a letter for that lawyer in there. A letter for that guy, too. (laughs) And he bolts. And and then when Agatha, not Agatha, what's her name? Damn it. Not Agnes. Agnes Nutter. That's, okay, not. Anathema. Anathema, that's it. Anathema, when Anathema comes out, she's like, what is it? And he's like, I don't think we should open it. (laughs) (laughs) We should not open this. This No, it is just. It's so funny because he's like, I'm not bringing this trouble on us, but it is most definitely more prophecies. More prophecies. From her great, 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 great grandma. Who's back somehow. 
and knows they're going to get married. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just uh, well, it's so funny. Okay. Sorry. Circling back to Anathema and um, Newt. Why do I, Newt. Why do I keep forgetting his name? Um, are we assuming that he was a virgin and that Anathema yes, the first person was a absolutely. Okay. Because That's what like, I thought. Because, like, she comes out and she's like, like, oh, so. She's like, the book says we only do this once. And he's like, once? Once. (laughs) And he talks about, like, waiting and, like, you you read about things. But then, like. (laughs) You hear about this happening, but. uh, This guy waited to lose his virginity until the end of the world. And he lost it to a witch who was like, yeah, we're only supposed to do this once according to prophecy. So we're all good. (laughs) (laughs) So. Who would you say is your favorite character? Uh, I. Hmm. Do you have a favorite character? Let me ask you that. I really don't because I could, I could make the argument that Azaraphale is my favorite. I could make the argument that Crawley is my favorite and I can make the argument that Anathema is my favorite. Okay. So I would say those three. Okay. Um, is there a storyline you liked the I most? I also kind of like Shadwell <laughs> because I think he's just like a crotchety old man. He's batshit crazy a little bit. He's crazy crazy um i kept picturing him look like uh um the person who was the downstairs neighbor of rachel and um monica like the first couple of seasons well i got hagrid vibes like oh. big and no like i wasn't picturing him that big mangy and- hair yeah i was just picturing like crazy guy kramer-esque <laughs> yeah i guess we could go with kramer um but older older yeah, yeah. Um, was there any storylines you liked the most? Um, probably Anathema and Newt story. I liked their story a lot. I mean, obviously, it I'm invested. It is a love story. It is a love, love story. a love story. Fuck, I do. Um, I'm de- I honestly think you could make an argument that Aziraphale and Crawley have a love story, too. They do. I don't necessarily mean that they have a love story in, like, but, the fact that they're going to, like, bang like it out. Like, you and I like, have a love story, though. Exactly. Like, I feel like they have so much history there that they love each other. And they love each other even though they're on different sides of of the, the same coin. They're on different sides of the same coin. Again. And they still. Us. Yeah. I guess I could be made the argument for that, too. <laughs> <laughs> Which, um, I, I mean. I mean, I'm obviously more Crowley-esque. I, I, I have and a more sinister... would be fine with being called a Zerophil. That's fine with me. I, 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 I am, do think I it's really more... funny that they make the argument that a Zerophil isn't gay. Like, just... angels can't be gay. They just don't have a sexual orientation. When they choose to, they choose to. <laughs> but it's so funny because a Zerophil, like, the way that Michael Sheen plays him, is a little dirty. Yep. <laughs> like, it is true. <laughs> Sorry, my scalp itches. Yeah. It's dry um, here. It um, makes me think about when I was in college and my Christian friends and I would have this joke of, is he just really Christian or is he gay? <laughs> God loving or God fearing? Because <laughs> like the good guys, the sweet guys that would like take care of you and like befriend you in like the kindest way they're on the line and protect you you'd be like they're either like really into god or they're like really gay there's no in between <laughs> <laughs> so now that you've read the book mm-hmm. how do you feel about the casting matching up to what was on the page yeah uh 100 i mean you can't go wrong with david Tennant, and michael sheen anyway but like i, I mean it's a star-studded cast right. like offerman yes uh john ham 
yeah. which is not in the book, this book. No. But in the article that you posted, they had intended to write a sequel and that right. John Hamm's character, um, Michael the Archangel, would have been in that one. But um, I, I would like to see them reversed. I would like to see Michael Sheen be Crawley and David Tennant be um, Aziraphale because I feel That'd like those two actors are capable enough that they could do it. I think they right. would cast appropriately. Like, I feel like they were cast appropriately. But, like, um, the two of them during the pandemic did a, like, TV show TV show that was, like, basically, it, it was pretending to be themselves, but they were, like, you know, different Making versions their, of themselves. Well, their characters. It's like uh, James Vanderbeek in Don't Trust the Bee the- in 23. I can't believe you just referenced that. Nobody knows that show. I freaking I love that show. I love that show so much. I want that show to come back so bad. And my yes. whole reason for loving that show is because James Vanderbeek is mocking himself relentlessly. In yeah. That. He's actually like a really good guy who's married with like a crap ton of children. And in that he's like a he's, total player. And, and like, he lives in, he lives in Austin with like his little blonde brood. And it's yeah. just. Yeah. It's just copy paste, copy paste all those kids. But they they're do adorable. this. All of they them do, on a, in socials. It, they're super cute. Yes. Um, they uh, they do some, and I can't even think what it's called, but they do a little show where they basically are talking we'll to each to other. We'll add it to the notes. Um, they're, they're, they're doing like a show. Calling. Yeah, they're Zoom calling. And they're talking about how they're friends and like, like David Tennant is super whiny in it, and like his life is all woe is me. And Michael, it's called stage. stage, yeah. And and Michael Sheen is kind of like, what the fuck, dude? Get your shit together. And it's just funny. So I'd like to see what they did if they reversed right. the roles. I think that would be fun. Um, um, but they're like, okay, you know how we talked about last week about how Shalina, what's her face, and the dude from. The Fault in Our Stars and Divergent have natural chemistry. Shailene and Woodley and, um, yeah, I just forgot the guy who plays Gus's name. You know who I'm talking about, though. Yes. They, a- Ansel, Ansel. Ansel. Something. Whatever. They have a natural chemistry together. They have a natural chemistry. 100%. They should be cast together constantly. We Absolutely. saw that a but lot. But not as brother and sister. Not as brother and sister. <laughs> We've seen this in the past with rom-coms. Like, look at Drew Barrymore and um, Adam Sandler. Oh, Drew yeah, they're Barrymore, great together. Or Drew Barrymore and um, Jimmy Fallon, I think, are really cute together. Drew Barrymore um, and anybody, because she's right. just adorable. She is. But you can make the same statement for Michael Sheen and David Tennant. David Tennant. You can. You can throw... You can. Those two have such a magical chemistry together right. that right. it carries the rest along. You could right. have them in almost anything... And it right. would work. Right. Right. So I got a show for you guys. No. <laughs> um, I had a thought bubble and I lost it. Any thought, final thoughts while I figure out my thought bubble? Um, I know I've said this, but I, I know it's sacrilege, but I did like the series better than the book. I am very much looking forward to um, season two, which yes. is filming right now. Um, I remembered. So keep I, going. So there have been books on the pod that you've put on that I've read and I've been like, I'm really glad I read this, even though I didn't really like it. And one of those is um, Mexican Gothic. I didn't love that book, but I'm really glad I read it because it it was interesting. It had a good storyline. And it was something you hadn't read before. Right. This isn't one that if I, if you wouldn't have made me read it, I probably never would have. And I don't feel like 
me you don't feel it. like you missed the, this filled the gap in your reading history it didn't it didn't but the book we're going to be talking about next week i really do feel that way i feel like i never thought i would read this book but i'm glad i did dress oh, is so good i really enjoyed it Jurassic well we'll talk about so that good. next week okay so um i know remember what i was gonna say okay so um there is one more book book scene i want to talk about okay um so they're playing the cup game with babies when baby Adam is brought, Crowley brings baby Adam to this. Oh, okay. I'm like, what babies are they? Okay. Hey, right? About. So they're mixing right. these babies up and putting right. them in different families. The Satan, the Satan, Satanic, Satanic, Satanic nuns. nuns. <laughs> <laughs> Whose jobs are to be chatty. Yeah. So like their job is to never be silent, which does feel like very Molly. <laughs> Yes. Um, I wasn't they, going with Molly. I was just saying, like, that, um, that feels pretty evil. <laughs> so, I think it is being that the baby did not go who to who it was supposed to, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Hell was trusting that these human nuns would mm-hmm. do what they were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. It is a comment on human error, right? And... Hmm. You know what I mean, right? We, yeah, but I have a different thought on that. Okay, hit me. I'd love to hear it. And this actually happens in the book later on. Um, Crowley and Aziraphale are talking about how, you know, this fuck up happened under Crowley's watch, basically. Yeah. And Aziraphale is like, how do we know this wasn't supposed to be the ineffable plan, right? right. So, like, how do we know, how do we know this wasn't the plan wasn't supposed to be that they get mixed up? And as it turns out, if the mix-up wouldn't have happened, then Agnes Nutter's predictions would not have been true. Right. So that had to happen. Right. But what I do like about that scene, and what I think is really funny, besides the satanic nuns, nuns? <laughs> being the ones that do it, they talk about the other baby, right? Right. So Adam is replaced. Who's into with, tropical fish? And like- right. So they try to like say... Sure, probably nothing bad happened to this kid when it was satanic nuns that were taking care of him. We'll just pretend that he had got adopted by a good family. And so you're thinking the whole time, oh gosh, Fuck, this kid they was just like threw this baby murdered. <laughs> they like murdered this baby. Threw him into a volcano. Shit. But then we find out. But then we find out. No, he really was adopted by a family, and he's a kid that Adam goes to school with. He's like their their competition, right? Their rival he's gang, the rival bully. Yes. And, like, the narrator goes, see, I told you you'd be into tropical fish. <laughs> I do think it was clever that, so Warlock is the person that Adam was supposed to be. Yes. Like, he was supposed to be that kid. And Warlock's and, not into any of the things he's supposed to be into. He's a spoiled brat, though. He is right. spoiled. Right. Um, but I think it's interesting because Adam just grew up regular, normal. And if you want to talk about the comparison for the Antichrist, which is essentially what Adam is, and Jesus. Right. Or what as he's supposed Christ. to be. Yeah. Right. And Jesus as Christ. Jesus grew up a very normal life. He was the son of a carpenter. And mm-hmm. Adam is just like the son of a normal guy. And in he's growing up town. like a normal life in a small town. Like he's just living his life. I think it was an interesting choice to make him eleven. Um, I think it would have been kind of a stronger choice if you would have made him like thirteen, because like if you, because there's so much religious symbolism in this, obviously. Right. And at 13, um, that's the bar mitzvah, right? So right. then Jewish men well, are men I, at I 13. Think, right. But I think 
I mean, they he's not Jewish, him. but I just thought that would be but an interesting I think take. they needed him to still be a child. Well, I he would have been at 13. He's still a child. Right, but the symbolism of manhood at 13 takes mm. away those childish aspects. We wouldn't get whales disappearing from the girl, ocean. Girl, you have a 13-year-old. Yeah, and she would not be being that silly. Your daughter. Have you met 13-year-old boys? They have other things on the mind, I'm told. Well... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but stealing nukes, that would be something a 13-year-old boy would totally do. Yeah, I don't know about the whales. Demolition. But I, I think it's more of an innocence thing. You're At 11, you're still a solid child. There's no variation of adult ideations. You know what else I love? <laughs> he names his dog Dog. Right, right. And he's supposed to be this vicious hellhound. This is a hellhound, right? And he's supposed to, the big thing is supposed to be him naming him when he gets named. That'll be And like, it's like this scroungy little nasty mutt. Well, it's a hellhound. And then when he describes what he wants, it changes into like a different dog. And um, we get the dog's point of view in this book. Don't forget. Yeah. And the dog is really concerned with chasing squirrels. Yeah. <laughs> Also, I want to talk about, can we talk about the four horsemen for a second? I know we briefly talked about them, but I really think it's an interesting take that pestilence left the group because of the, because of basically a vaccine. Yeah. He was like, eh, I can be beaten now. I'm just going to bow out. Y'all have fun. I'm I'm, going to dip. (laughs) And so now it's uh, pollution. Right. Which Which is a more modern problem. Right. Although I guess because we are just coming out of a pandemic or, and it depends on it. We're coming out of a pandemic because now it's an endemic, but right. So pestilence maybe, might have been a problem. Maybe in time. season two, we'll get a tongue in cheek joke about how uh, pestilence wish you would have stuck around or something after. <laughs> that would be awesome. Neil Gaiman is on board for writing for that season two as well. And right. it's going to be what they had always intended to write, but they didn't get to because right. Terry Pratchett died. Passed away. Yeah. Right. Well, that's good omens, gang. It's good omens. Yeah. Um, I, what did you rate it? Um, well, I've grown with this book, mm-hmm. and it stays a solid four for me. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm having, like, strong ADHD issues... Um, I can't believe you can follow this book with ADHD. That's why I'm saying, if I'm, like, struggling with my ADHD, this book goes out the window. I have to really be in control. I have I to gave, really be in control for this book. What was your final review? I gave it a three out of five. Okay. Um, and I said because, like, I feel like the book greatly relies on visually stimulating imagery that somehow didn't work in a book. Right. But it, it works very well in TV. But I did give it a three out of five. Um, it's not that I don't think the writing's there. I don't know that Neil Gaiman is my favorite. I mean, I know you really love him, but, like, the stuff he writes is just not weird my thing i like the weird i know you do i know you do and i liked the graveyard book but that was a kid weird yeah but i didn't like Coraline, and that was kid weird uh, anyway cool. all right so let's talk about uh, what next we're doing week. next week um i don't have the book with me you got it i'll show it next week we are reading jurassic park by michael creighton Ugh, and molly will also book. be hosting this week um so she's doing two back to back um so this is classic. I mean, this book has been around for a really long time. If you haven't read it, read it. Or 
I mean, the movie doesn't follow it exactly, but read it. But we're going to talk about that anyway. I have yeah. a whole thought bubble on book versus movie. And and then, I'm sure you do. And then, we're going to wrap out the month with uh, another special guest. We had Nurse Katie last week. And the last week of this month, we will have... No. Is yeah. it the last week of this month? Yes. The last week of this yeah. month, we will, we will read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. This is the uh, ultimate guide, which has all of the books in it. So, it's this is not... The book's and actually very short. And it will be our 42nd episode? It will be our 42nd episode. And my husband, the love of my life, he's really hot. Ladies, stay away from him. He's mine. Um, he will be hosting. You can't have him. He's not for you. Um, okay. I didn't want him. <laughs> as we've, I think I've said this before. We have very different tasted men, but apparently our husbands do not. <laughs> They do not have different tastes in women. They basically married the same woman. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So we're going to wrap up the month with Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And my husband is hosting. Um, and uh, that will then be it will for March. For April. Yes. April. March. Gosh. Get your life together, April. No, yes. it's been a weird year. It's been it a hasn't. weird year. It has been. Um, and uh, May will be interesting, too. And we'll talk more about that next week. Next week next week oh boy things to come but, oh um, boy gang <laughs> oh boy anyway oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway i have a lot of things to do um as you know april yeah should, i've gotta i've gotta read and you know listen to things we gotta get the episode scheduled and we have things to do we have pot adulting to do <laughs> I don't think the listeners care about all the things that we have to do. I mean, like, they do if it doesn't show up on the episode. We, they just care <laughs> if we put out content. Although, I have to say, thank you to everybody that re-listened to Twilight. Yes, you episodes. actually made it our best listened to episode. Yeah. Because if you've listened to the episode twice for us, thank you. Because you put you. the two episodes together over 101 downloads so far. Yeah. And, and we, that, we, we appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. I think that's it. I got nothing. All right, so I guess we'll see you guys next week. Bye! Bye. Thank you for joining us on Book Besties. Don't forget to like and subscribe. The views discussed here are those of Molly and April and not those of anyone else. Today's book was Good Omens by Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman. Your book besties are Molly Biggs and April Watkins. Editing by Thomas Watkins and music is Sleep Sweetly by Brigida. Don't forget to follow the Book Besties on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. If you'd like to contact the Book Besties, please email us at bookbestiespod at gmail.com.